What up, everybody? Tyler Colombero coming at you. This is the Symbiosis Now podcast, the podcast where we talk about relationships. First and foremost, conversational relationships because we love to spread the good vibe. And it sounds ridiculous to say that the good vibe is contagious. Sounds super duper hippy dippy. Oh, but it is, my friend. And that chain reaction is exactly why this podcast is a thing. Makes you want to like go do some shit. <laughs> go like hold <laughs> the yard or something. Yard. <laughs> Our guest on Symbiosis Now today is my good friend Dustin Hennessy. He goes to New Mexico State University over there in New Mexico, over there in Las Cruces. He teaches horses how to do things that. Man, if we could teach humans to do it, we'd be in a lot better place, probably. But anyways, <laughs> Dustin is the man. I watched him communicate with horses when I was there visiting him. And man, he's the real deal. He goes into some stuff like that. But also, the man's very intelligent. He loves to have intellectual conversations. We love to go deep about a bunch of topics. We even get into education system. We get into, like, is it necessary to have education? We go kind of down some... I don't want to call them rabbit holes because this ain't no conspiracy episode. This is the real deal. We're having a good conversation, and I think you'd like his conversation. So I welcome Dustin Hennessy to the Symbiosis Now podcast. This song Panama, right? Yeah. So they actually, I don't know if you've heard of this, but they used that song to root out a dictator in South America. That's what they used that song for? They used that song. Well, it wasn't what it was made for. Oh, okay. I was like, going to say, because yeah. isn't that Motley Crue, bro? <laughs> no, it's uh, um, Van Halen, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. But they um, they used it. I forget what dictator it was. It might have even been in Panama. But yeah, they totally used it to root out this dictator because um, he was holed up in this place they weren't going to go in there and get him and so they, they actually surrendered because they would just play it on repeat at like super loud levels that's crazy yeah so what what about the song though got him out there though? i think it's you know the repetition of any music is makes kinda, you go crazy it's a torture device you know that's what they use in uh, guantanamo and stuff is repeated music is one of their is one of their uh, torture tactics and it's blared super loud but that's the only thing you can hear is that music and Dude, you know, that would make you go think crazy. about it. You, you only know hear song. one song over and over again for two days straight, and I mean yeah. literally, you know, forty-eight hours. Yeah, dude, it'll make, make, make me go crazy. It make me go crazy. I thought about that recently. If you were on a like a literal loop where everything was just the same all the time, how not only boring life would be, but your brain wouldn't be able to deal with that. That's why I don't like certain technology in the modern world. It seems like because it takes us all kind of away from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Manuel Noriega was the Panamanian military dictator who often played opposing sides of Cold War-era political battles until he was ousted by his on-again, off-again sponsors and toppled in in a U.S. invasion, which had to do 
with the song Panama being blasted over and over to get him to come outside, yeah. basically, and surrender, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Like you, you Imagine you'd have to walk around, like, instead of a mask, you'd have to walk around with the earplugs in everywhere you go. Right. That's that's the cure to media dysphoria, <laughs> where we're all just seeing shit from yeah. the internet and stuff now. We need to just put in, like, a blindfold or, like, just wear dark shades that don't emit any light, like not even just blue light, bro, just everything. So you can't look at a screen or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Or people just like start putting in earplugs so they can't hear certain things. Cause everywhere you go, like there was a time where we didn't have radio everywhere you go or t- a screen everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's messed with our, our, our reality for sure. Cause we take, why do we take screens so seriously too? Yeah. If it's, if there's nothing on it, it's just a black screen. Like I often joke if my dog Lila, like if she like can see what we're watching on the TV or is she just kind of like looking at it because she's like, oh, yeah, they're looking at that thing again. And how weird it looks for us to just be sitting on a couch looking at this black screen to the dog that's just like, oh, yep, yeah, they're uh, they're zoinked out on that that thing again that just takes their attention towards it, yeah. you know, because you're just sitting there like a like a stagnant doll or something just staring at the screen, getting mesmerized yeah. by it. You know, it's yeah. almost weirder than than uh than doing anything else in life because nothing really do is like that where you just sit there and stare at it you know it's almost like something you'd see in like some kind of a propaganda right of yeah like just people staring at a blank screen just totally entranced that's well, what it was created for they argue but then it's like a lot of things that were created for certain things we use differently yeah you know yeah. it's hard to argue though because most most films and stuff they all do have like certain agendas to them or whatever like like there's always a a love story that may or may not work out there's always sex involved like usually even in kids movies bro now like that's why it's crazy it's like there's always something that has to make it to i guess like fox century or whatever has certain uh expectations of the film that they're gonna make or something i don't know who makes the call but i know that uh in certain research that i've done like cia used to like make a lot of calls on that like Mm -hmm. and say you can't say that or you, you you must put this in the film to see how people would react to it type of thing, like doing like social studies. There were like even that. some more recent movies where the government went in and said, hey, you can't put that technology in this movie. Really? Yeah. Wow, because it's like a known technology it's maybe? Like, like, yeah, that's, I'm not sure. It's probably something that they've been working on maybe, you know, something that we think is sci-fi. Who knows what they're making, right? Dude, for real. Like, we're talking about UFOs, and, like, weren't me and you talking about it when we are in the desert? Like, about yeah. Nazis created UFOs, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, they were making, like, anti-gravity shit. Mm-hmm. And it, whatever came of that, you know, to just go away. Or like maybe I, it was just propaganda, right? It could have been. In America, we could have been saying, hey, uh, look at what they're making. They're making all this crazy technology. We need to bump up our stuff because we're not there so we can win the war, right? right? Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of our, a lot of stuff that we see, like the Nazis were, were doing or, or whatever, they, um, some of it could have been made up by us. Right, I agree. You like know, some of that shit, we could have been not we as in you and I, but like in the United yeah, States, yeah. there could have been a lot of hands, especially like Bayer, knowing that they made Zyklon gas to kill a lot of the Jews during that time. There was a lot of capitalizing that was happening off this warfare, and that's actually what got us into the First World War. Apparently, as we were like feeding both sides of the war, mm-hmm. and we were claiming we were neutral, but really we were feeding the war. So we got roped in, you make know, that essentially, money, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's crazy because what else was being capitalized on that maybe was an American-based, you know, company mm-hmm. that. It was perhaps making a lot of these things even happen or perhaps folks with money here knowing that they're scientists that are into this kind of 
technology that we really are interested in, but we can't morally do it here or we don't have the setup here to yeah. do it maybe to infiltrate and maybe get their information to start doing it over here or just have it all done overseas. And maybe it could be like that's in the modern world. Like what else is, is really going on in the Middle East that they're protecting, you know? Because well, we know opiates. We know yeah. certain things they for sure are. But what else? Like technologies or weapons, right? Yeah. Like, you know? Well, you know, uh, I, I was telling you about that book uh, by uh, Nikolai Lillen. Okay. Um, the the Russian gangster that I told you about. I think you told me about it, yeah. On our trip. Yeah. Well, um, he, uh, Nikolai Lillen, he was um, brought into the Russian military and he became a sniper. And, oh, uh, shoot. Definitely an interesting uh, time because they were fighting in Kazakhstan. Okay. And so they, his commanding officer would talk a lot about how because this guy, the, his commanding officer was a seasoned veteran. He'd been in, in the military for a long time, didn't know anything else. That was kind of just his thing. But he understood that the politicians were making that war because the politicians were doing a lot of illegal stuff at the time, drawing the people's attention away from what was happening in their home country to a far-off land. And it kind of makes sense. You know, it's like the, the putting up a smoke screen, hey, look what's going on over there and not what's happening here at home right and i think that happens today in america absolutely because i think a lot of people don't realize how good we have it even though we could because we're always looking at what's going on elsewhere yeah. we're always looking at the turmoil even at home but we're not looking at what we can do about it as much as just oh my gosh that happened never never keep sleep with one eye shut type of mentality instead yeah. of like well this is why that happened and mm -hmm. like like school shootings to me if, and I'm not trying to go into this weird conspiracy no, room. Yeah. Trust me, I'm trying to say that I think that a lot of those those things do happen because kids are too stressed out, bro. We were we were those kids. We weren't that stressed out. No. But a lot of kids are stressed out, and then bullying and stuff is real, dude. And especially with the internet now, because mm -hmm. people can do it so facelessly. It'll like we were talking about. It's like torture. You could torture someone with just getting shitty messages on your Facebook all day, every yeah. day. Imagine people just saying, "Ha ha, you're such a loser" or something oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. Like, and you can't get away from these people. You could put your phone away, but people don't do that. You know. So I don't know. And maybe maybe not all sh school shootings are just because the kid was stressed out. Maybe they were pretty privileged or this and that. But it's unarguable that they were probably – they snapped. It mm -hmm. wasn't that they were just ready to – born to kill and they were no, the devil yeah, in the flesh. No. Like, you know, I think that often people are just really stressed out. And it's not just because guns are a thing. It's because they know from all the movies and all the things we've ever seen that the gunslayer brings them down, you know. And it's like mm -hmm. this glorifying thing that we do in America, putting all in the movies. Like the good guys are always shooting the bad guys and shit. But then if you're a child or a teenager backed into a corner and you feel like they're all the bad guys and I got to put them down, like it, it can, I think lines can get crossed a lot yeah. in our modern world with this kind of uh, constant, uh, I don't know, screen staring or whatever, yeah, you know? I think, uh, I think the shootings in schools are also a pretty modern phenomenon. Right. Um, when well, was, schooling is kind of even, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah. When I was in high school, I did a report on... Um, kind of a statistic of um you know it wasn't very scientific because i was a young kid uh, you know come on dustin i know i know but um something that I, I i noticed whenever i was doing this research was there were very very few school shootings up until i mean the 1900s i mean there was not it wasn't a thing um granted you know you can look at it from a more scientific perspective and say 
well, there weren't as many schools, there weren't as many students, you right. know, things like that. Yeah, that's valid. But people were like, there's there's children in there. Yeah. But also, yeah. it wasn't probably the children that were thinking that. But and there were children yeah. in there, and they could have went home and grabbed a gun and came back to school with it. What I found was really interesting, and that, that's actually part of it, was a lot of the school shootings back then were accidental. There was right. a little kid with a pistol in his one, one of them was an example, was there's a little kid with a pistol in his pocket, and supposedly it fell out of his pocket and accidentally shot this other kid in the leg. <laughs> And That's crazy. Yeah, this is like in the late 1800s, I believe. Imagine just a little kid just like, I got my beast. And that me. was not uncommon. That was the right. majority of the school shootings back then was just some little kid. Had, he was, the kid was like young. He was under 10. And he had a pistol in his pocket and dropped a little twenty two and shot this other kid in the leg. But you know how little kids are. And so they weren't sure if it had actually just fallen out or if he was sitting there playing with it and shot himself and shot the other kid in the leg. Right. You know? um, but I just thought that was really interesting how like this notion of um, – you know, children with guns even today. Uh, that's not that's not common. Back then, that was pretty normalized. But I, I think that, like you said, a lot of it has to do with the screens, the bullying, the the constant not being able to get away from it. I think a lot of a lot of students have a uh, have this mentality where they have where they they feel enclosed, right? They can't get away, can't get away, and stress gets to people. Yeah, you have to go to that same uh, building or structure or whatever, school every day on a yard with a bunch of people. It's kind of like prison. I mean, in a way, if you view it that way as a child, you know, luckily I didn't really see it that way until after and I started looking at it that way, but I was like, man, if I would have looked at this, I would have been a shithead kid. Like, people would have labeled me as that, but I would have been probably a little more ruthless and a little bit mm-hmm. more unruly, even though I kind of broke the rules a lot, but I'd follow them just enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I know a lot of kids, though, that we would make fun of or whatever. They had terrible upbringings, bro. And when, when people, like, always are having to be here, be 100% on, you have a test today, you have a test tomorrow. And, like, we're still in college, so it's, like, the same thing times mm-hmm. 10. But it's... To, we can leave though. We don't have to stay on campus yeah. all day. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be locked there with the same kids all day. You go to different classes with yeah. different students. You know, in in, in college. So th- I remember that that felt very trapping, and I imagine that that's also why a lot of uh, people in our generation, specifically because we're like millennials, kind of mm-hmm. have gotten more addicted to certain drugs and stuff because you want to escape all this. You don't. You feel trapped. You mm-hmm. want to escape, and yep. it doesn't make it okay. It makes it understandable though. And if we were to just acknowledge those things, we could go back in and be like, oh, maybe we should make things so stressed out, but we should find a better testing system system to get people to actually like provide good results but not stress them the hell out yeah. and tell them that yeah. all week long you're taking these tests all week like yeah. we used to have to do just weird stuff dude that's mm-hmm. stressful for certain kids man and and besides our brains aren't always ready to go i know no. mine's not no. the older i get i feel like i can't just do whatever whenever anymore i have to be kind of in the zone i have to really be in the zone you know and this idea that we even really need school is kind of an in, it's to a, what level yeah, right it's I a mean, modern concept uh I think it's good to, I mean, if we didn't know how to read, we didn't know numbers and stuff, but that's something that people that don't know how to read, they learn. They, learn. they pick up yeah. on the way. Yeah. But I think it'd be we do have the upper hand knowing those things. Yeah. Some of us are maybe more talented, gifted, want to go and do calculus and stuff before mm-hmm. we graduate high school, but a lot of us are not geared for that. Yeah. And um, I thought I was, and I was told I was, and I didn't. And I was really stressed out. Yeah. Like, my, really stressed my out. My grandpa, um, he dropped out of school, I believe, in third or fifth grade. He could read, he could write, he was incredibly intelligent with stocks and things that were relevant to his life. Yeah. And, and that kind of makes me wonder, you know, how much of it do we need? Or is it just this idea, like, you know, back back a long time ago, we didn't need a college degree to get a job. Right. Now we feel like we have to have one, right? Um, it's a necessity. Yeah. 
instead of having the knowledge and the skill and the hard work, we feel like we have to go to school for a longer period of time to get that piece of paper so that we can move on in, in life. In, in turn, too, I mean, it's arguable that if you're not doing a lot of hands-on education, too, you're losing a lot of hands-on experience that you could be out there. Because a lot of folks don't go don't work at the same time of going to school. Mm-hmm. And they lose a lot of that real-life work experience Definitely. while they're just going to school. Especially like me, I've been going to school for so long, but I've worked the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I've always had to keep my head in both parts of the game. But I, I could imagine if I got out of high school, still all I have to do is go to school. It's like I'm a big little kid, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like me and you, we do different things. We stay busy all the time. We also keep jobs going. We meet more people. Yeah. We make sure that there's something always happening but i know that it's kind of a trap in itself too because then certain kids take out hella loans Mm -hmm. and then they think that i have to get this paper and i got to get it faster so then the stress really starts feeling like you got to get it tomorrow and i know how that feels but i'm not i'm not taking out loans i'm just trying to do it slow you know take a couple classes at at a time you know and there's there's also this thing of like you know then after that what next yeah. I have to get a good paying job to pay back all these loans, right? And it's not going to happen fast enough. Yeah. I mean, no one makes – I mean, depends on what people take out. But people take out a shit ton of money for student loans sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, I know it's cost oh, yeah. a lot for tuition and stuff. So imagine, dude, you make like 50 Gs even at that dream job that you felt like you were going to get a year. That's that's what you made before taxes not, and then not what you had to mm-hmm. spend on gas and food and everything, rent to survive, yeah. like everything else to survive. Yeah. So it's like impossible to make up that ground mm-hmm. other than like a long stretch of time. 20 years. I've noticed uh, a lot of people that go into school to become veterinarians, right? I'm in the animal science department. So Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people that started out wanting to be vets and came to realize they they wouldn't be able to hash it out in that field because of how expensive it is to go to vet school and the student loans. Then they have to pay back the student loans through their vet practice, which causes the vet practice costs to go up. And then they have to deal with not a whole lot of family life because they're gone all the time, especially traveling vets, large animal vets. You know, they're constantly traveling. Um, and then you also have, you know, the lack of family life and then you have to deal with death and injuries on a constant basis. And that's not for everyone, you know? Yeah, it is kind of a, I mean, it's sad to see that every day. All the time. To have to deal with that mentally. Yeah. We had a vet come into one of our classes to talk and she was talking about that, you know, just that constant, um, you know, you have to deal with gruesome injuries. And I mean, on the one hand you get to fix them sometimes, but on the other hand, you'll, have to go in and tell somebody hey your animal's gonna pass away your little horse you've had for your whole life we're gonna have to put it down and that's that's a hard hard call to have to make yeah you know yeah i agree to have to tell someone yeah uh, i mean just like a doctor i mean you're a nurse i mean that's, yeah. that's a tough thing in and in, in in and out you know all day all the every day traveling around telling people sad shit or just having to deal with it because it's a good thing because it's a noble thing like we need vets we need yeah, doctors definitely we need nurses yeah. we need all these people but it's not i see that it's not cut out for everyone's mental situation i think a lot of people rush into these jobs or careers and think that's exactly what they're going to do it just blim blam like that and it doesn't work out like that no. because some of us can't mentally handle it. I know I'm not cut out for certain things. Mm-hmm. That's why I had to I had to address what I really want to get educated in if I'm gonna choose. Something that I think I can handle, but something that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel super like, wow, I I have to see all this sad stuff all the time yeah. and, and have to deal with uh mul- I don't know. Just this last time I went up and gathered out there in uh, New Mexico, this town called Hatch, outside of it. Um we, we were, I was gathering up and I was way up in the back by myself and I brought this cow and this calf up and uh, everyone else had already gotten in and on my way through I was following this kind of back trail behind, behind the cow and her calf and um, saw a, a dead uh, bull 
and I was, you know, you, sometimes you're okay with seeing a dead cow because they're like the crazy one that tries to kill you every time. That's not a good thing, but you never want to see a loss of a life like that, you know, especially a bull. The bulls are important on an operation, um, not just like financially, but, you know, you see them and they're the ones that are dropping the cat. They're the ones that are siring every calf out there, you know, and loss of a bull is a big deal. Loss of a cow is a big deal. Loss yeah. of a calf is a really sad thing to see. You know, you've seen dead calves out and about, and anytime you see one laying down, you kind of ride up to it and make sure it's alive because last thing anyone wants to see is that. Right. You can't get into that business and not love them, you know. Right. And not try to fix them anytime you can. Right. You know, same with horses, too. It's all the, it's all the same concept. You know, nobody wants to see that. Right. And I'm drawing the line, like, the, the, the correlation between, like, farming and that is that most people don't look at the tree like oh that poor tree that poor tree like yeah. we don't have that connection of like oh it died like and what killed it and yeah. it's bleeding and like there's maggots on it like we just look at it, oh that tree look at that tree dead look at that and and even farmers themselves they more look at it like a loss more than yeah. like a man i kind of knew this tree and it was like yeah. a cool tree it's not like yeah. that it's more like man that's another one we got to replace you yeah. know um and i'm sure and same in the cattle industry but um not as much. I feel it takes like on there's a more realistic right. uh, tone whenever you see it as a living, breathing creature. Animals, know? yeah. Because yeah. and, and I think that's because we are animals. Like we correlate with that. Mm-hmm. We feel that similarity there. Versus we're different from plants. We're not yeah. the same, you know, in yeah. any way, I guess, really. And sometimes, you know, you, you'll sit there and when you're working and just be fighting the cattle and it's you know, they want to turn back or they want to run you down when you're in a pen. And in those moments, you're kind of like cussing them and mm-hmm. upset. But at the end of the day, you don't want to see it just drop dead in the no. field, you know. Yeah, no one wants to see That's that. Never. Man. Yeah. Yeah, death is a weird thing too, man. In every situation, with with people, it's really a unique situation though. Yeah. Because we do weird things, you know. Like we we do we bury them and like we have this ceremony and sometimes weeks after they died because they like embalm them and stuff. Like, yeah. It's weird. Like, but I get it. But I don't know, man. Like. It's weird that what, why do humans do that versus, I mean, do animals mourn? Definitely they mourn, right? Like you've seen that a lot. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, you know, you see this sustenance, right? The, uh, a calf with a dead cow or something, its mother's dead and it's still trying to suck at the teat or something. Mm -hmm. But then also you see a horse or a dog. A dog's a good example, right? They're herd animals. They're, they're pack animals. One of them dies, you can see the physical change in their emotional state. Um, it's really interesting concept, you know, death, how, how we react as humans to death. Why do we react? Everyone reacts a different way. Right. Right? Everyone has a different way of coping. And uh, seeing that with different people is definitely, definitely a, um, an interesting thing to observe because everyone, everyone reacts in a different different. Uh, mental state to the death of somebody that they knew I agree yeah we have all these attachments to humans specifically we have tons of attachments like we weren't born like the argument that we weren't born with so many clothes on our back and stuff but yet and when we die we don't either but people do bury people in like their suits and all this stuff now so it is kind of interesting but we we have the emotional attachments there things that we can't really seem to cut like the physical yeah. part of it like we accept that that person that body is maybe gone but we more so mourn who they were to us and the parts that they came in and out of our life most of the time or just the roles that they filled and how that 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 role is now uh vacant yeah and we we look at it like that you know 
but everyone's being born and filling these roles as we go as long as we keep filling those roles and I'm, I'm afraid like we were talking about earlier with some of the things with with social media and stuff it's taking us away from filling those roles we find our role to just be online like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're filling a role just by being online like you know yeah. or, or wa- scrolling down and looking at things like it's like you're seeing things and you're like oh i'm watching the news but you're not there yeah you know it's it's not weird. experiencing yeah it's the same uh, people you're just especially. absorbing yeah. stimulus but not really like experiencing yeah. it you know and i think a lot of times when we talk about social media we look more at the broad aspect of like news and social media or misinformation or information that is just constantly coming in but we also ignore the negative side of social media or not necessarily ignore it but forget the side of social media where it kind of dehumanizes us yeah um you see somebody with a different different view on something well i don't like them anymore where if you're talking to them face to face it's like hey we're, we're friends we get along um it's really able i think social media the idea of it and the way it was um advertised whenever i was younger when social media was really getting big was that it bridged those gaps it brought people together that couldn't be together but now the people on my social media are people that i know mostly right and it kind of takes away that real aspect of life that hey people are down sometimes sometimes you got to be there for other people and not just think about yourself you know not just right. think about that next little snapshot you're going to make of how great life is right right i think that's kind of a thing that we're losing in society in the world you know not not just in america i think that's the entire world and if you see that selfie that like the person looks happy or whatever that was 2 weeks ago you know that was yeah. like a moment that they took that picture and posted it weeks ago yeah. like you know, it doesn't mean that that existed forever like we always like to say photos like are like uh, uh worth a thousand words and like they they last for a moment shot in time and they are but that's all they are yep. they're just shot in a moment in time they're not the full picture even the video is not the full picture mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that we've gotten to like these gifts and all stuff and and i think that it's i honestly am kind of worried because i think that people have lost their way this year like with the pandemic because yeah. everyone became more separated and now only feeling connected yeah. through i mean not only because we all are not really separated come on let's be honest most people are yeah. not really separated um, but there is more of a separation than there was. Definitely, you know. Definitely, and we're we're using. Uh, I hate saying technology, but this like mechanical. It's so funny. We call modern tech technology, but technology means so many things. It mm-hmm. could be so many different tools. Yeah. But we call this technology. It's kind of weird. Like this is the only possibility anymore. Like we have to go this route with technology. Everything yeah. being digitalized. Everything being mechanicalized. You know. Yeah, it's interesting to definitely... Like, glass was a technology. Yeah. It is a yeah. technology, yeah. but, like, for the longest time, I was like, oh, behold the technology mm-hmm. of glass, you know? Well, and there's so many technologies of the past that we're losing that are still very relevant because we're looking at it more, looking at life more as consumers. There's nothing wrong with being a consumer, right? You can look at, okay, I need a new shirt. Okay, I go buy a new shirt. But there was a time when, oh, my shirt has a tear in it okay, well, I'm going to stitch it up. I'm going to fix it. And looking at things from that extremism of the extreme side of consumerism where you're, where you're, okay, well, I just want to, I, I want a new shirt. I don't, I don't need one. Right. Or something like that. And I, I I'm guilty of it. Just like anyone oh, else. We all is, are. Right. Yeah, oh, that's sure. a nice shirt. I, I could use that. It's a nice, you know, jacket. That, that'd be really handy to have or whatever. Anything you look at 
instead of I'm going to make that or I'm going to fix what I already have, it's more, well, I'll just buy a new one. I'll just throw that old one away and buy a new one. Right. I feel like people do that with their cars a lot. Like they just keep on like not checking the oil, not like not ever taking care of it at all. And then being like, oh, well, when it breaks down, I'll just get another one. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. like that that possibility too because then you're stranded without a car and it doesn't just work like that where you just buy another one. No. You're in the hole with the one you have that just broke down on you. You got to get it towed somewhere. You can't just leave it on the yep. side of the road. Yep. Like there's a lot of factors. And I don't like being out anyway. I just don't like being stranded. So really, no, that's I, the I'm biggest the issue. Way, yeah. but, but I mean, things happen. You know, one time my truck just wouldn't start. The fuel pump went out. Yeah. Couldn't have known. I mean, it was time. It was probably due. Mm-hmm. It needed to be replaced probably because I had 150,000 miles on it. But it just went out just yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, versus like like Allison's car, like it, it's leaking oil. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if she doesn't, if we don't put more oil in it, I tell her like it won't run. Like you have to understand yeah. like it's, it's a deal breaking situation. And then we could just buy you another car. But it doesn't work like that. And you can't just buy another engine because it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like. But most of our mentality is at least in that sense where maybe we don't go after it thinking, oh, well, I have this backup plan. It's just that we know in our society that that exists. So we feel like we can rely on that. If this breaks, I just get another one instead of fixing this one. Yeah. There's so many things, dude, even like our blender, the little seal on the bottom went yeah. bad. And at Ace Hardware, they have them. And it's like, dude, I'm not going to buy another blender just for the seal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. By the seal. By the seal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, you know, anything, even, even look at a shovel, a simple shovel. Some, I think most, the majority of people have a shovel. Right. right? Anyone that has a house or, you know, and we have these, you know, the shovel handle breaks. It's a wood handle, whatever. Well, most people, I think would go to the store and just buy another one. Right. When you have a perfectly good shovel head and why not get a new handle or, I know here at uh, Reedley College, there's guys there that know how to make handles for stuff like that. Right. And that's a lost skill. I mean, I don't know how to do that. Right, yeah. I think that's incredible to be able to have that knowledge and that skill to make something that's so common as a shovel handle or an axe handle or something like that. Yeah, before we would go buy a hammer and stuff, people would make the wood handle for yeah. the hammer. You, you never let that hammerhead go. You yep. just keep getting new wood to maybe or wedging new pieces of wood in exactly. there, whatever, to make yeah. it work, you know. Yeah. But it makes sense. It's just crazy because most of the time when we throw away that old one that had the wooden handle that broke, we go and buy one with a fiberglass handle and then it's just kind of like, it just uh, lasts forever, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. it's just kind of weird. It's kind of weird because it's a cheaper way to make it. And that's the only reason why we end up choosing that. So a lot of things that are consumer-based aren't really our decision. It's kind of we're being told. Like we have no choice, but we have the money. So we're like, oh, well, I'm a consumer though. I'll buy that because it's right there. It's, it's cheaper. It's yeah, cheap. it's yeah. easier. It's cheaper. They told me to. Oh, if something goes wrong and it breaks, just come on down and buy another one. Like yeah. Because that's the business's model of making money. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard thing to come in the place between because you kind of feel like you're getting – your ass taken from you like when you go into a store trying to buy something but then sometimes they're just trying to give you the cheaper product nowadays but really it's not more efficient and it's not um i don't know it's just making us lazier i think is all really in a weird way because i'm just talking shit you can think about things like why are they so cheap right we have technology that makes products right that that makes it incredibly inexpensive to buy right and we have outsourcing that makes like slave labor then you have the outsourcing that was that was my next point actually was that that whole you know, this, this consumerism, I think buying things is a good thing. It's good right. for the economy. Right. It stimulates you. And we all need something that someone else has that we don't. And yeah. It's like a trade. It was supposed a, to always exactly. be a trade. And, but this outsourcing for things that are so cheap that we couldn't do it that cheap ourselves. Why? Why right. is it that cheap? Then we kind of have to look at that broader reality of our world is these people are being forced into this work 
for their food or for housing or for whatever reason, cultural reasons, whatever. And we get it cheap because we're consumers, right? They're using cheaper materials. They're using cheaper labor, which is at a cost. I mean, people say, oh, well, their currency is different there. But it's like, yeah, but they still pay them shit. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's hard to argue with, though, because even here, even though our currency is different here, mm-hmm. it's worth more, you could argue, than some other countries. There are bad working conditions yes. here, too, that people are in, in a warehouse all day. Like, you know, like we were saying earlier, being in the same place every day, hearing the same sounds every day is kind of torturesome. I think that's why yeah. a lot of people like listening to podcasts now, because I know I was in the lab. And if I were just sitting there in my own head all day, yeah, I'd learn a lot of stuff about myself. And often I would, but there'd come a point where it's like, I just want to, like, stimulate my mind, listen to something else. I don't want to just hear yeah. silence. Or just hear like beakers moving or people like, I don't know, I don't know. Point is, is like in a, a factory, all you'd hear is all day. Yeah. And that would just be exhausting. It's kind of like being around gunfire all day. Yeah. Like that's exhausting. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe it's because of our, our modern idea though of, of uh, we get things now, right? We get things immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't have that. I guess I equate it to something that's an older culture, an older uh, mentality of that we can work all day without an extra sound, without a something else. We talk, we chat, we joke, but maybe people don't need that music. Maybe it's better not to have that extra sound or that extra information coming in. I mean, there were people lived for a long, long time before any of that instantaneous sound or kind of like noise pollution is what it's kind yeah, of complicated yeah, to yeah, now yeah. yeah or even you know a freeway TV, rushing TV, by yeah. I mean even that like people that live right next to the freeway I mean yeah it's I guess it's not annoying or any it's just that sounds not normal to always be hearing yeah and we're not used to that uh, genetically or anything yeah. for, until the last like 100 years yeah. literally even even books I mean books weren't common until probably 1700s right you know before that you had to hand write everything right then you had the printing press. You know, we didn't even have access to quick knowledge. It was all hearsay. Mm-hmm. And yet the world still moved. Yeah. People still did things in yeah. a different way, different manner. We yeah. had different systems in place. But I feel like we've lost a lot in that just here and now instead of that broader idea of the world. There, I think there's something to be said for that, you know, I guess for the uh, – I guess you could say the uncultured – Right. There's something to be said for that mentality in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like what would happen if, if everyone was like, all right, these cell phones are known to be just killing everybody, making people go crazy. We're getting rid of them all and made everyone get rid of them all. Imagine the withdrawals that people would go through. Yeah. As weird as that sounds, it's like a drug to where people like they'd act completely different. Like. And you can't go backwards from the situation now. Everyone has a smartphone, mm-hmm. like specifically too, like a cell phone, but a smartphone. Everyone has one in their pocket. So how do we back away from everyone having one? And then everyone talks about having guns or not, but yet it's kind of like the same thing. It's just for knowledge. It's not going to take a life, but it's going to take ideas and it's going to mm-hmm. take you a certain way. And you're going to use them now to justify the way you live your life daily. And honestly, whoever's in control of that algorithm is your worst enemy because at that point, it's not actually you. It's not actually the information you wanted to learn most days. I know for a fact, if I start watching YouTube videos, 
I'll start watching shit I don't want to watch. It's yeah. like, why is this playing? But it, that's the algorithm. It's to keep playing some shit that maybe will get you hooked. But some of those things, I didn't even mean to learn today. Now I'm all jacked up and giddy about it. But then do I really remember it every moment yeah, of my life? Yeah. Was it life-changing? No, yeah. I got high on the information. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude, Dustin, check this out. This Vlad the Impaler guy. Like, Because I've been watching <laughs> yeah. videos on the Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. But it's like, at the, at the end of the day, I'm not thinking about Vlad the Impaler all day. It's not life-changing. doesn't yeah. make me, I don't want to live like Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, whoa, yeah. that's crazy. That's part of history. But how I came up on that was just by chance by you and me watching something and yeah. you going, you didn't know about that guy, you know? Yeah. And then there's there's kind of like, do we think about how it affects our day-to-day life? I think, I think we get so caught up in things like elections or various things that really have realistically very little effect on our day-to-day life. People have these ideas that they can have. A mass effect, right? They can change everything. It'll change di- night to dark overnight. Like yeah, thing. but that's not real. That's a idea we've come up with. Uh, the real, the real thing is, is the sun's still gonna rise and it's still gonna set as long as it's meant to rise and set. You know, right? Um, but yeah, I think you know. It, and then on the flip of that, looking at historic history and his, historic people and things that they've done, you can see like hey, the world really doesn't change that much. We have brutal people, and we have rich people. We have poor people. And somehow it seems like the human spirit is to make something, make a mark, right, regardless of our circumstance. There's always seems to be somebody that does something that is noteworthy enough that it makes a mark on humanity. And I think that's really... a a interesting concept you know like what you mean like well like you look at like okay you have Vlad the Impaler right as an example he was a brutal brutal person he protected his people but he was very brutal and he just killed a bunch of his people too you right. know modern days we still have people like that he just made a mark because of what he did and the time period he was in right um, you have very rich people at Mansa Musa remember him right yeah uh, Mansa Musa, he had a, you know, he made his mark on that world at that time, but we don't, we don't look at it in day to day life like, oh yeah, that guy's making a huge mark. Every once in a while, you'll have somebody pop up that's really doing something interesting, like Elon Musk, kind of. Yeah, right? that's yeah. kind of who I was thinking. Oh, he's doing something different. He's, he could change the way society works fundamentally. Yeah, almost. he's made it. He might make enough of a mark that it sets. You know, you yeah. have the uh, Karl Marx. He's made a huge mark. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> but um, he's made he's made a huge a huge mark on on the world. Yeah. Um, by his ideas. Right. Um, Influential thinkers. Yeah. yeah. Einstein. Right. He was just a man, just like me and you. Right. He was just a human. You know, right. it's not like these guys were born with gold dripping else. off their eyebrows, yeah. and they're just like, I'm ready yeah. to learn everything and be the best. Yeah. yeah. They just they weren't they weren't gods. They were just people who did something different. Right. And that's that out-of-the-box thinking. Right. Like me and Allison heard this quote the other day. It's written on the board. A man is what he thinks about all day long. By mm. Ralph Waldo Emerson. I love Ralph Waldo Yeah, Emerson. but that's He's crazy because yeah. really, like, it, it's really, like, you think about certain things. Like, that's what how Einstein got to what he did. He was just a regular human, but he just probably kept thinking about it. Wouldn't let his brain stop yep. thinking about certain things. Maybe he would. Maybe take breaks from it. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently, he did go into the wilderness for, like, a long period of time to go, like, find himself or something. Yep. But apparently, he came back understanding nature and energy a little bit more and yep. figured out that equation, which is just crazy. 
but it, it, it matters for us to think about some of these things to a certain extent. But if all we think about all day long is what's happening across the world or happening in Congress or whatever, yeah, there's some argument yeah. this week that's detrimental to next week's the sun coming up next week. Like it's nothing like that <laughs> no. ever. The closest it came more is like with nuclear war, I yeah. guess, because that could end all everything. Yeah. But it's like, who would really want to do that? You know, really, it's almost at the end of the day, like everyone just wants to have the biggest dick, but be like, look, if I blow up the whole thing, though, we can't. I can't do anything. But yeah. they may feel like I have a bunker and there's a plan and we're gonna take over the world. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Like yeah. I think that that would be stupid because then you'd contaminate everything you'd ever need on this planet to do anything again. Practically, well, that goes into a whole whole topic too of like is there are people that would do that there are people who push that button there are people that would do that and that's where is it society that keeps us from doing that is it our love for life as it is because i know every every human has this idea of um i forget where i learned about this but it's the idea of gradual change i think i learned about it in a philosophy class actually um where there's only so much change that a person can handle without going off the deep end. And so I think we all have this idea that we want to avoid as much change as we can because of that, you know, we, we don't want to cause too much change. We don't want to change our lives so drastically. And then there's those outliers, right? The um, counterculturalists that kind of say, hey, I embrace this change. But then maybe they get caught up in that same box of this is the change that I made and I'm going to sit in it. Yeah, it's kind of like if we didn't change and things didn't keep changing, one, it would obviously be kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But also, like, when people say that they want things to go back to normal or something, it's like, what was normal? Wasn't that great? You know, this the every day is another step, another chance at possibly collectively moving towards a better situation. And that means better in every way, not just in, like, more more economic growth because then it will – grow to fall again these yeah. are the things that were bound to happen we shouldn't stay at a lull like we've been though. Mm-hmm. that's that's our leadership i really think most of the time but it's also the population's growing things are changing we yeah. have to change our ideas that's why in, in the united states we have a living constitution we should use it because mm-hmm. it's living it's not just a this is what they said and forever be this we can change it. So it's a matter of us kind of, I guess, organizing and blah, blah, blah. But more so collectively just agreeing that we can change and that yesterday did kind of suck. And we can keep shaping a better future, maybe even just for this nation. It doesn't have to think about the world, you know. Yeah. Because at home we have a lot of problems. Like you were saying earlier, distracting the minds of this nation with things that are going on in so many other nations makes us forget what's the problematic at home. Yeah. And I think that's why there's so many riots this year because a lot of people are like, oh shit, there are problems here at home. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know that. And I think that's what got a lot of people really riled up because imagine realizing that. Yeah. that. Like, oh my God, I've been blind to like, there's a problems here, yeah. you know? And I've been thinking we're all just dandy here, you know? Yeah. There are problems, you know? But then, of course, everyone wants to continue to like burn every fucking thing down and then not actually burn everything down. Yeah, you know. Yeah, go halfway. Yeah, go halfway with it. You know? Burn it all, right? <laughs> yeah, because dude, I, I was excited, bro. I was like, dude, you're gonna burn. It's gonna be a fucking war. It's gonna be crazy. And then it's like, nah, dude, a bunch of people half-assing mm-hmm. this shit right here. And then it's you like, know? which side do you stand on? Because any time that there's a disagreement, people tend to take hard-wing stances. 
there's not that middle ground, and the, the middle ground is what's really the right ground most of the time. Because we have to be able to communicate. We and if to. we're just too hard on one side or the other, there is no communication. Yeah. We've seen that, like with Antifa and the Proud Boys or whatever prime yeah, example, because yeah. they are n- no are, way. They'll kick each other's ass type of yeah. mentality, you know? When it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to be able to come to some kind of agreement. We're all Americans, yeah. you know? And even then, we're all people yeah. on the planet. That's why mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to say, well, it doesn't matter if there's slave labor over there as long as it's not here because we're all people and it does have a trickle down to hey you think that's not coming back this way i mean yeah. what if another country's economy's booming like hell now we're the ones working for shitty slave yeah. labor you know because things can yeah. change well and things you know? things change pretty drastically yeah look at the roman empire they totally they totally fell right. and they they ran the world um same goes with the mongolian empire empires rise and empires fall right and usually when they fall well, i wouldn't say usually but a lot of times when they fall they fall hard. They fall completely. Yeah. To actually fall. Yeah. And we have this built up sense that America won't do that. And the fact is, is it, it can. Right. Not that it will, because we, we've set it up so that it hopefully won't. But corruption is what brings things down. And the fact is, is the government is corrupt. I mean, we can't, we can't get away from that, you know. Right. But what do we do, right? What do right. we do? Because there's, there's so many ideas floating around that are so drastically different Instead of coming together on the points that we agree with, we split apart on the points we disagree with. Right. And we'll just, make our own little utopias and shit yeah. that don't exist, which creates a, just a dystopian world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's it's psychologically, like, I, I feel like it's some kind of psychological warfare, though, but it's what we're doing to each other as humans. Yeah. It's what we've always done. We've always, always. kind of disagreed and then tried to understand why this person's so ridiculous like what is it diogenes <laughs> like just god it's so ridiculous but yet why is he so ridiculous like to understand why is this person so far out there not to say that diogenes was an idiot because he was pretty smart yeah. really he was a profound thinker but it's interesting because in a modern world people look at people like diogenes and say that we're all idiots for just kind of living our life. Yeah. And you get labeled as a hippie or a, a, a lowlifer or a loser because you don't want to go get engaged with making big sales and all this yeah. kind of shit all day. Well, yeah. a lot of people aren't made for that. So it's kind of a weird society that we we kind of hold the standard of what we think is a standard, but no one's really living up to that standard. Most yeah. people aren't, and it's kind of a, a, a fantasy anyways. Yeah, you and know? I, you know, we also have this love for the for the counterculture too. Which is kind of like weird because right. we have this standard we set, and then like, but we like to break the rules. Through like, every yeah. decade that we've had, we've always had some kind of counterculture. Yeah. But what happens to them? I mean, it's usually youth that are involved in that, and they grow up, right? And they grow up, and they get involved in exactly the same system that's been happening for so long. And I'm not saying there's anything innately wrong with that system. You know, there there are certain aspects to life that we have to uh, that we have to do, right? We right. have to we have to be willing to get up and work and not just sit around all day or you know you know what i'm saying like we have to we have to be able to do certain things but those certain things don't necessarily fit with everyone right you know there's some people that are incredibly talented at certain things like music and they don't get a whole lot of opportunity for right yeah like i had my buddy nick chagoy he's an artist but he feels like it's not a lot of money in it but he loves doing it Mm -hmm. and it's like i know how that felt when i was trying to get into photography i was trying to get a multiple the podcast there's no money in it it's just something i like to do yeah you know and we got to pursue those things because that's really what i think most humans have always gained the most satisfaction Mm -hmm. out of was just doing what they liked or they felt called to do, mm-hmm. whether it was like metalworking or whatever. Yeah, maybe that was your career too, but sometimes not so. You have a career that you're good at, 
and you know what you're doing, but you don't love it like you love your art that you yeah. partake in or whatever, you know. We're, we need to have all those balances. Yeah, it's a balance. And I think that a lot of people's hobby, though, has become being on their phone. Yeah. Being on their phone all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And I get it. There's certain cool things I guess you could learn. You could strategize with games and also you, you your brain is strategizing. But it's also not real life. Yeah. Nothing like being in a boxing room or something where you're really strategizing now. Is this guy going to fucking knock me out right now? <laughs> yeah. Versus like, oh, I died on the video game. I'll oh, just play again. Respawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 It's a big difference. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, talking about this whole thing kind of just reminds me of the human. I think it's an innate human thing is to explore. Yeah. Right. We've always been explorers. Right. But now the majority of the world's been explored. And now, now what do we do? You know, we, we back a long time ago we had these these people that were able to explore new lands that were could be dangerous because you didn't know it was there, right? But they were relatively safe. I mean, look at the East Coast, right? That's a that that's fairly safe land, even the forests and stuff. Right now, our only places to explore are the Arctic, the Antarctic, especially the Antar- Antarctica. I mean, that's a big place that it hasn't really been explored, right? And space. The sea, and I guess you could say the Amazon too, but yeah, a lot of those forests, rainforests. Yeah, yeah but, and those are very dangerous places. Every one of them, and some of them we don't really have the technology to explore yet. Right. Back to technology again, right? Right. But I think that that is why we have so much unrest in our world because we no longer have that sense of wonder. Yeah, that ability to expand because we've always expanded, and I think we do. But it's kind of like there's this lull, like, oh, we already have it all figured out. Yeah. We've got everything yeah. we need. If even if we want to go to a destination, it's already mapped out. Yeah. You can buy tickets to fly there. Yeah. Not like, yeah, like the old school ways of like Darwin going, wait, I'm going where? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some place no one's ever yeah. been? What? We're going to go charter it and look at the in, the insects and the animals and stuff? What? Like that. True exploration. True exploration, exactly. And, and I agree that part of humans – Spirituality, I think a lot is is determined by our explorations and our experiences. Like literally we have to explore. And if we're always – that's why I find it so hard sometimes to just get up, go to work every day mm-hmm. because it seems so repetitive, so routine-like to where it's kind of taking all the fun and mystery out of my daily routine. And it's kind of like what do you use to find mystery again then? What do you yeah. do to not be so bubbled into the same routine all the time? You know, the yeah. sides now go home and go on your phone or yeah. go, go what's going on in New York right now or whatever the yeah. fuck, you know, I've, I've really found a sense of wonder, I guess, in whenever I'm out in New Mexico, that's, you know, that's part of the reason I moved out there was just to see something new, mm-hmm. something different. And, uh, a big, uh, something I've really, really come to notice is whenever I'm on these like ranches and stuff, there's always some piece of history or something, oh, yeah. something interesting that happened there. Oh Yeah. Um, people, interesting people I've met. I mean, just there's there's just always something new in a new place, right? And when you like one of the ranches that I help out with, they have a um this old. It's right next to some of the corrals we gather up to, and there's a uh, an old little one room corral never, or a building. I've never been inside of it, I, but it's apparently there was an old um, Hispanic guy that that lived there. He, he was from Mexico. And this was way back, like probably in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, the grandfather had met him. I mean, the grandfather was in his 80s. Um, but he built a wall out of stone. And it's hot there. I mean, it is blazing hot right. there. And uh, he, he, built, he started building this wall out of stone and just stopped. 
And it's like three quarters of the way up up this hill, and it's just this wall out of stone that that was that guy's, and it still stands to this day. And that ho- that house is still there to this day. And they had hired him on to work on the ranch. He kept care of the cattle and built that wall during his off time. And then just decided it wasn't worth it. And I just thought that was really interesting. Right. That that's kind of like the legacy that guy left. And, and I think a lot of us don't start projects because we feel like we're not going to finish them yeah. maybe or there's not enough time or what's the point mm-hmm. but that's what I agree I think about a lot of outdoors and people that like to live more sustenance lifestyle anyways do things like that mm-hmm. um, like I built my chicken coop it's not that big of a deal but I used materials that were repurposed materials yeah. shit I didn't go buy yeah. I, most people are like no it has to be it has to look cute mm-hmm. and it has to be all uh, cut nice and square and everything and I get that if you're going to do it right and if you're going to sell it and you're going to buy it I guess so yeah you, sh- you want it to be done properly mm-hmm. but for a lot of things you could just get it done on your own I mean imagine how people used to do fences bro like how many times you've seen old school fence posts but then they use a tree instead of the fence post for that section because why not it's already standing there you know why would I use another post yeah, I saw one uh on another ranch I've helped out with, they had tied the wire around a boulder. Yeah. And it was just a long strand of wire. They had <laughs> yeah. tied and it had been there so long that it had edged into the boulder, into the boulder. about wow. probably two inches. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was just incredible. And I thought, you know, we all laughed about it, but on that same ranch there's sites from people that have been there probably before, you know, Western Europeans got right. here. Yeah. Um Especially in New Mexico, right? You know, because that that was a um, Spanish and then and then Mexican territory, right? Um, but they had a there's an old brand that we we were uh, just riding around checking things out, and we saw there's there's hieroglyphs out there. He showed them to me. Uh, my friend did. Oh whoa! And it's a map of the area, of the entire like you look out and there's a massive I guess you call it a, a hill or a mountain in the middle of it, and that it's got a ring around it and it has deer it's got waterways it has x's for camps and it's old it's been there that's for so crazy long. yeah we found old campsites um where people had what they would do is they'd build these small probably four foot by six foot little areas where two guys could bunker down in and they'd stack rocks around them and then they'd have there was one that had a um like a divot out of the side and you could still see where the smoke had been further fire. Oh wow! And um, they had uh, right next to it on this big boulder. Um, he had never found that camp before, and he's been out there his whole life. Wow! Um, and it was just right next to where we rode, where the trail was, and uh, it had uh, an old brand that looked like a horned bull. It was like a circle with a couple of little things out for horns and a couple of lines out for legs. And who knows how long that's been out there, right? Just that's crazy. Just old things that from a society that's not there anymore and that's kind of a sense of wonder you know that's kind of the whole exploration seeing things that we didn't know about learning about things or just observing things that that we have really no clue who sat there and what they talked about and the finite details that we have with phones and things like that oh they talked about this this and this we don't know that we just know that they were there at some point and what they left right yeah dude yeah, I, I don't know. I just find that that sense of wonder and those kinds of things whenever I'm out there because it's it's very in person. It's very real. It's very like I might leave something out someday that somebody might find, you know, and they'll just might have that same sense of wonder someday. Yeah, I feel like the older I get, even though I'm only 26, I feel like often that's how I have to spark my 
reason to live even in this weird way sometimes like to to see more sense of wonder and realize like oh this isn't it though today's not it whatever shitty thing you're going through is not it uh whatever struggles or even good things that's not it like you know there's so much more to come but often like look around like this old town readley and like how did we get here how did this town get erected you know and then finding that old book that was talking about traver and how that traver was the heart of it all and everyone just started kind of farming near but then now look at where we are. It's like everywhere you go, there's farms to the edge of the mountains. Yeah. You know? What was that? And uh, you, you would tell me it used to be cattle range mostly. And yeah, now it's gone amazing. to all this yeah. farming instead. You know, it's things change in a matter of 100 years. What was that lake called that used to be out here? Thule? Thule Lake, yeah. right? I think that would have been so cool to have seen right? before the dam came up. I think a lot of things would have been dams. real cool yeah. to see. Yeah. yeah. A, unique, a unique perspective on things that once were but aren't anymore. Right? It's the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I I love I love talking about history and things like that. Just because there's there's a lot to it, and especially whenever it has to deal with things you see in person. Right. You can read about far off lands and things, but there's something more real about seeing it face yeah. to face, being faced with the reality of something that's happened in the past that isn't there anymore. Yeah. You know. You reek of paranoia. What are you, smoking pot? <laughs>